Thank you, Jerry. Good to see you again. Good to be here. Truly recovery without borders. So of course, um, we have to resist the temptation to hurry up and meditate. It's the uh, journey of the mind. Hurry up, I'm trying to be calm. So, Might take a moment to just uh, look at everyone who's here in the Zoom room. And, uh, just notice in gallery view who's all here. And, uh, of course, there is a single desire which is to find greater peace and ease and freedom from the obsessions that uh, destroy our lives. Obsession with food. And everyone is here is here for release of that obsession. And, uh, there's power in that. And uh, so just welcoming everyone here. All right, so my name is Ali, and I am a compulsive overeater. Yeah. Wave, waving of the hand. So uh, I came into program in 1984, 4.30 p.m., and uh, was given the grace of abstinence. And I had a weight loss and maintain a weight loss of 135 pounds. So I'm one of the 100 pounders. And uh, I started meditation in 1985. And uh, through my second sponsor, who's been my sponsor now for 35, 36 years. And he's not, he just celebrated his 98th birthday. And I made sure to let him know that he's not allowed to die. And, and he, he assured me that he won't till October. And because uh, that's his last commitment. So according to him, God needs him until October. So, so uh, he taught me how to meditate in 1985. And, um, and then over the years, I uh, continued with that. And uh, of 
course, deepened that practice. And the 11th step is a practice that uh, in Bill W.'s writing suggests that uh, while the first 10 steps keep us abstinent, it's the 11th step that expands our consciousness. And really, the more our consciousness expands is where the freedom comes in, our, our ability to live our day and our lives in a larger frame, in a larger context. So we're not at the tyranny of the egoic mind. Of course, the egoic mind tends to narrow its focus into various levels of hypersensitivity, various levels of meanness. And it's true that when you combine obsession with me, the meanness also becomes meanness, less patient, more angry, more aggressive. And uh, we do harm. And of course, the ninth step or the uh, ninth step talks about uh, harm the harm we do others. And the question becomes, what is harm? And uh, harm turns out to be, what kind of harm do we do others? Physical harm, emotional harm, and uh, spiritual harm. So the practice of the 11th step opens us up so that we can experience ourselves in a larger frame, in a larger context. So we're not just at the tyranny of the, the mind, of the self-centered mind. Now, there's a lot of myths about meditation. And so for many, um, the practice becomes elusive. And so uh, today I uh, want to offer some practices that maybe takes the mystery out and uh, the mythology out. And I do want to add that I also am uh, a UCLA-trained uh, mindfulness facilitator, and I'm also on the faculty of the UCLA Mindfulness Awareness Research Center. And so I bring a significant amount of the art, theory, and science of mindfulness meditation. And, and folks may ask, what's, what is mindfulness and what is meditation? There are, you can think of meditation as sports. It's a, it's a huge category. And within sports, for instance, you can have basketball, ping pong, tennis, football, soccer, etc. Same is true for meditation. And uh, it's an umbrella term that subsumes within it all forms of practices, Qigong, yoga, Kundalini, transcendental. And 
mindfulness is one form of meditation. And, uh, and none are better than the other. They all work. Their purpose is to bring us into what, the, what we're taught when we go to meetings is come back to the present, come back to now, come back to today. We're often told to do that, but we're not always provided the means, the how to come back into the present. So all of them have, have, uh, are a form of coming back into presence. And how do we come back into the present moment? Uh, not only how, but when we do, we experience more peace, more ease, more calm, less reactivity, less emotional turbulence and um, and so the more we practice coming into the presence, the more peace we have uh, over time. So they all work equally well. The, the point is to do them. It's a practice like going to the gym. So if you already have a form of practice that's working for you, that's beautiful. Um, keep doing it. it. It fits within the realm of the 11th step. When you read the 11th step in the big book and in the 12 and 12, especially if you read it in the 12 and 12 of AA, you'll notice very quickly that uh, Bill W. incorporates many styles and many forms. It could be a deep focus on St. Francis of Assisi prayer, for example. But Bill also brings in images and phrases through which meditation can occur. So for instance, he uses the phrase as if on a sunlit be uh, lit beach and, and, and offers a meditation on, on uh, what it might be like to meditate on a, as if on a sunlit beach. And so even in the 12 and 12, the suggestion that there are many forms and styles is embedded in it. And all of them work equally well. Uh, one of the things that all meditations do is connect mind, body, and heart, mind, body, and soul, mind, body, and spirit. Uh, the sense that the sense that there is one, we're one, and um, so mindfulness then is one form of meditation. So today I will teach some uh, skills around mindfulness and invite you to practice. Um, in no way does it suggest that whatever practice you've been doing, uh, you you should stop. Uh, it's, it's one more way of bringing uh, the experience of meditation in a way that's accessible to us. So what is mindfulness? Uh, mindfulness meditation is the awareness that comes 
when we pay attention on purpose to our present moment experience in a non-judgmental way. So we pay attention on purpose. Oftentimes we're told to pay attention, but not how to. So one of the myths about meditation is that somehow we're supposed to empty our minds. Of course, the big book suggests that one of the conditions of being an addict or an alcoholic or a compulsive overeater, whatever your obsession is, is that embedded in the addictive personality are three words, restless, irritable, and discontented. And that they arrive and arise not because we're bad people, but because that's a condition of the obsession, restlessness, irritability, and discontent. So when you tell someone who may have restlessness, irritability, and discontent to empty your mind, you can see how quickly it may be possible to meditate one day and then not get back to it for months. Restless, irritable, and discontent. I can't quiet my mind. I, I can't quiet my mind. Well, that's the myth of meditation. There is no way to quiet the mind. Uh, what we're trying to do, rather, is to notice the mind which is a big difference. It's, and to notice the mind in a non-judgmental way. And how do we do that? How do we learn to notice the mind? How do we work with the mind rather than empty the mind? So in this particular practice, I'll guide you through today, we begin with what is referred to as an anchor or a home base. And an anchor like an anchor of a ship. Without an anchor, the ship can get tossed uh, all over in the, in the high seas, and uh, which is like the mind, just just turbulent and uh, and by the way thinking doesn't need our permission we we it 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 thinks because we are human and um so we're trying to work with the thinking and one of the ways is to identify an anchor or a home base and we identify an anchor and home base so we can return when we notice that the mind has drifted and what are those anchors? The anchors are in the body itself. So we use the body as a resource. And there are typically three anchors. Sounds. Sounds, the reason we use sound is, sound is always in the present moment. It can't be in the future, can't be in the past. It's always in the present moment. 
or we can use sensations in the body, itching, cool, tingling, just sensations in the body. Sensations in the body are always in the present moment. They're never anywhere else. Or we could use breath. So in the big book, for example, on pages 87 or 88, there's, there are many references to as we go through this day, we pause when agitated or doubtful, pause. Pause and breath are, sign, are, are, are the same things, right? Take a pause, take a breath. The reason we use breath as an anchor is that breath can only occur in the present moment. It can't occur in the future or in the past. It can only happen in the present moment. How do I know I'm present? I gave attention to my breath. So it's a myth to say that I can't come into the present. I'm too restless, irritable, and discontented. Because if you just take a breath intentionally, on purpose, just like the definition, you just came into the present moment. One breath. To make it even more accessible, we bring attention to breath in one of three locations, the abdomen, or the chest, or the nostril. Breath, nostril, chest, or abdomen. And I'll say a little bit more about that. So we focus on breath, or sound, or sensations in the body, and inevitably, what happens is that at some point, maybe within seconds or maybe 20 seconds, rarely longer than a minute, if anyone can do it at least a minute, hats off, what happens is that our minds drift. And our minds drift into the future, into the past, into memory, into images, into restlessness, irritable, discontentedness, into uh, fears and guilt or shame or what I want for lunch or a conversation I should have, could have had or a rumination. It does so without our permission. It, it, it doesn't mean we're doing anything wrong. Because we're human, our minds drift. And it drifts because also we are intelligent, not because we're doing anything wrong. So the drifting is not only intelligence, but how we survive. The mind is a supercomputer and its job is to be on alert to keep us safe. And it also wants to do interesting things. It wants to imagine, envision, fantasize. It wants to uh, cling to some things. It wants, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it likes to judge things. It's just a huge dynamic organ that literally without uh, if we don't pay attention, has a mind of its own. 
So it drifts. When it drifts, we haven't done anything wrong. At some point, we notice that we're no longer on anchor, sound or breath or body sensations. And we invite in a non-judgmental way. It's very important because one of the things that we want to build on over time is how to be non-judgmental with our emotions, with our thoughts, with ourselves and with others. So we practice at the most basic level, not to be judgmental about a drifted a mind that drifts. And when we notice the drift, we give it a gentle label. And the label could be general, it could be drifting, wandering, thinking, worrying, if you want. Uh, and then just gently bringing it back to anchor. It doesn't matter how often we drift. That's irrelevant. We're not concerned about the drift. All the benefits of meditation, less reactivity, more emotional um, uh, management, right? Of our own um, uh, thoughts and uh, feelings. Uh, more calm, more ease, more skill at paying attention, attention management, focus. It's all predicated not on the drift, but in noticing that we've drifted. In order to notice that we have drifted, there has to be a person or a noticer who notices the drift. And that is where all the... Uh, Benefits come. Right? Oh, I noticed I just drifted. All right, gently come back. Oh, I noticed I just drifted. Gently come back. So we're not emptying our minds. We're working with our minds. And In the process, our minds naturally calm. So it's, we give the effort and the result is that our minds calm. But we don't try to calm our minds. We try to notice our minds. So let's practice. So that's the, that's the idea, right? Now, uh, uh, there, are th there, are three, there are three pillars of practicing mindfulness meditation. The first pillar is concentration or focus, which is what we're going to practice today. Come back to the present, come back to the present, come back to the present, right? And the, and the present and the anchor are one and the same back to the present. So the first is concentration, developing our ability to notice and, and return, notice and return, concentration, right? The second pillar is open awareness or clarity. Um, by the way, we, 
we practice concentration because as obsessives, what often tends to happen is that when we get restless, irritable, and discontented, we're all over the map. And we, we lose our way. And, um, and so we teach the mind, <clears throat> again, like going to the gym, we teach the mind to let go of that restlessness, irritability by focusing on giving the mind something to do. Mind is like, can be like a wild horse, right? In some traditions, they call it the wild elephant. Sometimes in meetings, you hear monkey mind, right? All of that is suggestion that we're, we've, it's like a centrifugal force, right? So we try to concentrate to bring that energy back to the present moment. The second pillar is clarity, open awareness. Open awareness is placing ourselves in a much larger uh, landscape. Uh, those of you in, in a film know that it's referred to often as maison-scene, right? That we live in a larger context, that we, we, we see the forest for the trees. And we won't do any of those practices today, uh, perhaps tomorrow. But... Um, what happens with addiction is sometimes we get over-concentrated, right? hyper-focused, and we hyper-focus on a resentment or a judgment or, uh, or, or some idea we have about the future or some anger we have about the past, and our world becomes claustrophobic and smaller and smaller, and the mind can hyper-focus. There is no limit to how much you can hyper-focus, right? Our consciousness constricts and we become over-identified with it. We become the thought. And we can do damage to ourselves and to others. Over, So in clarity, in open, awareness, what we try to do through the second pillar of mindfulness meditation practice is literally tap into as if on the sunlit beach to widen that aperture so we can see that we're not our anger and resentment and judgment and fear and anxiety. The sunlit beach is open. It's always there. It didn't leave. A higher power doesn't leave us. Uh, there was a time when I called my sponsor and I said, I don't feel close to, to my higher power. And he said, well, who moved? A higher power is always there, right? We just got over-concentrated. So the second pillar practices it. And each one of these pillars have dozens and dozens and dozens of practices. But the open awareness pillar uh, practices allows us to recognize that no matter where we are, there still is a sunlit beach. There still is uh, the universe that's out there, open, spacious, available. And the third pillar of mindfulness is 
are often referred to as kind intentions, which is at the heart of the big book. Another way of describing kind intentions are heart-based practices. And uh, in one of Bill's, uh, Bill W.'s writings, he talks about the language of the heart, which is really the third pillar of mindfulness. How do we intentionally bring the language of the heart into our practice? So often we hear when you have a resentment toward someone, pray for their health, happiness, and prosperity, right? Health, happiness, and prosperity actually uses the second and third pillars of, of meditation practice. The second pillar means being open awareness, praying for their health, happiness, and prosperity. We're getting out of self and constriction into a wider field. And then the third pillar is heart-based practices, kind intentions, praying for someone else's happiness. And so uh, we'll practice the third pillar of mindfulness tomorrow, some of the heart-based practices. In all of them, the actions are intentional, right? They're intentional. We, 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 we need to be willing to take the action that opens up the heart or uh, the aware, field of awareness. So to this morning, we'll practice, and I'll guide you through it, the, second, the first pillar of mindfulness, which is focus and concentration in the present moment using sound, breath, body sensations. And again, if you have your own practice that's working, continue. Uh, this is just another tool uh, that you can add and uh, there is no such thing as a wrong meditation. There is no such thing as a bad meditation. Uh, the hardest part of the meditation is to sit. So let's, uh, let's practice and I'll guide you through it. So if you wish, you can find a comfortable way to sit. Doesn't have to be rigid, just comfortable in a relaxed way, in a way that allows you to be relaxed. And you can close your eyes or you can leave them open. Um, they both work equally well. If you are comfortable closing your eyes, uh, then please do that. I choose to close my eyes, but you don't have to. If you leave them open, just a soft, gentle gaze so you're not distracted maybe looking just a couple of feet uh, ahead of you. So just uh, take a breath or two, find your breath. It's never lost. All we did was pay attention to it. Just bring your awareness to your feet. Notice your feet on the floor, perhaps couch, bed, cushion, wherever you are. Just notice feet touching, notice pressure, notice connection of heel, toes.
It's usually a very useful way of coming into presence, just asking the question, where are my feet? Noticing that you have feet. And just uh, bringing your awareness to sensations in, in your body, perhaps uh, noticing tightness, usually the abdomen, sometimes neck, shoulders, cheeks, jaw, forehead. And inviting the body just to relax if it if it's available. We don't force anything. It's just an invitation to soften. Just bring awareness to other sensations in the body like coolness, warmth tingling, itching, vibration. Just notice. Again, you're not looking for anything in particular. You're just paying attention. That's the definition of mindfulness is the awareness that comes when we pay attention on purpose. Just notice. Notice sitting wherever you are, chair, couch, maybe you're lying down and that's all right. We can practice coming into presence in any posture, including standing up or walking. And just letting go of body sensations right now. Bring your awareness to sounds. Just sounds inside the room, sound outside, sound in my voice. Sound of lawnmowers, sounds of planes going by, sounds of dogs barking. Notice how easy that was. All you did was invite your mind's attention to turn towards sounds. Notice that sounds don't need our permission. They have a life of their own. They come and go. Some sounds have a short lifespan. Short birth, lifespan, death, go away. Some sounds linger like a fan, lawnmower, for instance. Of 
And when we listen to sounds, we're not thinking about sounds. We're not trying to conceptualize that sounds. Oh, that's the dog barking or a plane going by or a water fountain or a fan or a refrigerator door. We're really listening as if we're listening uh, for an orchestra. High notes, low notes, space between notes, sounds close in, far away. We actually get very curious and interested. And even a sound that has a long lifespan, like a fan or a motorcycle or a plane going overhead, we notice if we pay attention that the sound is not monolithic. It's shape-shifting, there are high notes, low notes, there's vibration. So much is happening inside the sound that appears to be a single sound. Sounds are always in the present. How do we know we're present? We're listening to sounds. We're actually doing something even more interesting. We're turning towards sounds. And just briefly letting go of sounds for now. Let's bring awareness to breath. And here, the invitation is to choose one of three spots, the abdomen, chest, or the nostril. Doesn't matter which you pick, they all work equally well. It's just whatever is most pronounced for you, most prevalent for you. And you can change from meditation to meditation. And here we're not thinking about breath, but we're actually noticing sensations of breath in the body itself. What does that mean? So we, we have the abdomen as our anchor, we notice the rising and expanding of the abdomen with each inhale and the falling with each exhale. And this is normal breath, so we're not exaggerating our breath at all. It's normal breath. Rising, falling, expanding, contracting. And the same with the chest, where we're interested in sensations of the breath in the body itself. So the expansion of the chest, contraction with each inhale. Maybe we notice subtlety sensations like our back pressing against the chair or the cushion, 
Perhaps we notice a slight lift of the shoulder with each inhale or exhale in the chest area. <clears throat> or we can choose the nostril. And here again, we're looking at sensations. Feeling coolness of air as it enters the nostrils for the first time and with each inhale. And as we exhale, we might notice warmth or tingling as air leaves the nostril. So notice we're giving the mind something to do in the abdomen, chest, or nostril sensations. And of course, whichever anchor we use, our minds will naturally drift. So let's work with that a little bit. So the invitation here is for you to pick an anchor. And for this practice, if it is at all possible to choose breath and abdomen, chest, or nostril, or sound. And the effort is to sustain attention at the anchor with the expectation that we will drift. And when we drift and notice the drift, we give it a gentle label, drifting, wandering, thinking, and return our attention back to breath, abdomen, chest, or nostril. So go ahead and select your anchor. Again, doesn't matter which you use, they all work well. Try to sustain not too much effort. There is some effort, but not Herculean. There's some effort to sustain attention on breath or sound. And of course, when it drifts, label and return. Let's try that in silence for about a minute and see how that works. So let go of expectations, just uh, allow more than control or manage. Can't manage the mind anyway. We can work with it.
if you're working with breath, you might have your attention grabbed by particular sound or sounds. When that happens, we don't try to push the sound away. The more we try to push the sound away or anything else away, we actually make it stronger. So in the practice of mindful meditation, we actually gently let go of our breath, for instance, and turn our attention to the sound that seems to grab our attention. We actually turn towards it rather than away from it. We don't try to push it away so we can concentrate even harder. That really won't work. So we let go of breath gently for a moment. We let go of our anchor. Even if you're listening to sounds and a, another sound grabs your attention, just gently let go of whatever you're holding as your anchor toward, toward the sound that has grabbed your attention. And then get curious about it, not as dog barking, but as sound, as an orchestra. What kind of a bark is it? Is it high? Is it low? Is it rapid? Is it agitated? Is it distressed? Just what kind of a sound are you noticing? And at some point, the sound loses its interest, doesn't become as interesting anymore, or just fades in the background. And when that happens, then gently let go of whatever grabbed your attention and come back to your anchor, breath, or sound. It doesn't matter how often you drift. What matters is that you notice the drift and you gave it a gentle label, drifting. And the moment of success is the moment you recognize the drift. Not that you drifted, but that you recognize the drift. I sometimes like to say thank you when I notice the drift. Thank you is to my higher power for giving me the awareness that the drift has happened. And I gently, kindly, without judging or without that voice that says, you can't do this right, bring it back to breath or sound.
So it's a moment of actual celebration to notice that you've drifted. And then we come back home. If you notice restlessness, monkey mind, notice monkey mind. Notice restlessness of mind. Ah. You know, just come back to breath. Even if you find your breath one time in a five minute meditation, it's no minor thing. It's fine. That's one time of intentionally, by design, bringing your mind's attention back to the present moment. That's no minor gift to be able to do that. So imagine as you about your day. Of course, this is formal meditation, but there is informal mindfulness throughout the day. Even as you walk through the, your, your life through the day, if you can bring your awareness to your breath or sound or even body sensation, where are my feet connecting to the present moment? on purpose, it's no minor moment. And the more we practice, the more frequently we can come into present moments. That's where peace is, that's where calm is, where ease is, where we have more spaciousness, less constriction. One of the things that happens with addiction is that we overprivilege the thinking mind. We believe what the mind seems to want to assert. That's why we say, don't believe everything you think. So in order to literally hack into the thinking mind, that's always planning, figuring, solving. We literally hack into it by bringing awareness to the body, and here we're not trying to figure emotions out, 
What's my future? Where am I going? Who am I? We're, we're doing something much simpler and more elegant. We're, we're connecting with feet on the floor, on earth, on ground. We're purposefully redirecting all the mental energy to feet. Even if it's four or five seconds, breaking the automaticity of the thinking mind. And there is something in the brain research referred to as the default network of our neurons. Neurons. In most people, 75% of the things we think about are worrisome and negative. If you have obsession and addiction, that 75% may be higher, 90%. And the more we connect with that default network, the more pain and suffering we experience. So we literally hack in by breaking out of that network and into sensations of feet on the floor or our hands, if we wish. Noticing hands, coolness, warmth, tingling, vibration. Or we can turn to sound to break into the automaticity of the thinking mind, worrying mind, judging mind. Listen to sounds with curiosity, interest, or turning to breath. Just normal sensations of breath in the abdomen, chest, or nostrils. And we can then resume our day. And of course, one of the lovely practices is as we finish our mindfulness or even during it, during meditation, we can invoke the slogans. Easy does it. Keep it simple. One day at a time. Important is it? Let go, let go, let God. So we'll bring this uh, meditation to a close. And uh, just before I do, just give yourself some appreciation for being here, for practicing for giving yourself uh, the healing that comes from just connecting to the present moment in a non-judgmental way. Thank you for practicing and uh, for being here today. Uh, you did wonderful. You all get A's, um, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll do other practices, and uh, 
go about and have a beautiful uh, convention.